and they not only have to tolerate the feeling of this itchy fabric or seam that they find irritating on their skin, they're not, they don't only have to just tolerate it, but then they're also expected to follow instructions, participate in a lesson, have a conversation with kids, pay attention, and keep their emotional regulation in check in the classroom, all while having to, to navigate this stressful input to their body and their brain, which is perceiving a threat. Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions podcast for parents where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory-sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Welcome in, wise parents. Good to have you here. Today, we're talking about clothes, more specifically about clothing sensitivity. And I know that I talk a lot about different sensory issues on this podcast and on Instagram, and I talk a lot about some of the common challenges and behaviors that parents deal with, ranging from picky eating, sensory seeking behavior, differences with learning in the classroom. Um, And most of it stem from my clinical experience as an OT. Some of the topics that I touch on overlap in my experience as an OT and as a parent. And clothing sensitivities is one of them. And it is one of our major issues. So my almost five-year-old daughter actually didn't start getting picky about socks and shoes until well into her third year. So like three, three and a half. Actually, I take that back. When she was like 12 or 13 months old, she had like a week or two weeks, three weeks tops of refusing socks. She didn't really have any words back then. Um, She would just pull her socks off and cry. After that, until about three or three and a half though, she had zero issues with socks, with shoes, with any clothes. Like she would wear anything I would put on her. So now though, her top three clothing issues that are related to sensory because she has other issues related to clothes, but the sensory related triggers to clothing include, um, she is sensitive to the way that the seams in her socks fit or feel. She is sensitive to the combination of wearing socks with shoes and how the shoes can like bunch up different parts of the socks and like move the socks around. And she also gets extremely picky and fussy about how jackets feel or fit or bunch up again um, when she wears long sleeve shirts. But we live in Southern California, so we get by with not much issue in terms of the long sleeves and the jacket. Usually we could get by with short sleeves and jacket, but the socks and shoes things come into play, especially going into kindergarten when they have to wear closed-toed shoes and whenever we want to do more like active things outside. Um, and I want her when, when she needs to be wearing socks and shoes. So I'm going to also just tell you a little bit and aside here about her clothing issues that are not related to sensory in case this resonates with anyone. Um, she's just very rigid with the way that clothes look in terms of patterns, colors, how they layer together, all of it. It's more than just style. She's very stuck on the way 
clothes look and she can get stuck on the velcro pieces lining up just right when she buckles her shoes or if there's a stain on one part of her shoe and like she has to wash it off right away same with her clothes none of these are necessarily sensory triggers but they're definitely part of her emotional regulation challenges that come from sensory challenges and um, her anxiety but for today we are going to focus on the sensory triggers related to clothing and typically when we talk about that we are talking about the tactile or the touch sense so a child who has a clothing sensory sensitivity is considered to have a low threshold for tactile input which means that they register tactile input at a higher rate than neurotypical people. So they notice it more even with less of the input. They can sense every seam, every wrinkle, every fuzzball in a sock or in a pair of pants. They're extremely irritated by tags, maybe. Actually, Liliana does not really care about the way tags feel, which is interesting. She just still likes to cut tags off of everything, even like stuffed animals and blankets. She just has to cut them off, but it's not an actual tactile thing. It's just another little quirk that she has. But if you have a sensory sensitive child to clothes, tags might be an issue for them. They might also not be able to tolerate clothes that fit them either too tight or too loose, and they prefer just a very specific way that they fit on their body. In some more extreme cases, some children can't tolerate wearing underwear at all or any socks or shoes. And when a child has extremely limited clothing to the point where it's a hygiene issue, a safety issue, like wearing shorts in a snowstorm or impacting their social life. Maybe they are unable to participate in PE or a certain sport because they can't wear closed-toed shoes. Then it's time to seek professional support from an OT. But before we get too deep into this episode, I want to address something, a very quick reminder for you. Here's that reminder. Everybody has sensory quirks meaning everyone experiences sensory inputs and sensations that they dislike more than others, some that they may may like or tolerate more than others. Literally everyone has some kind of sensory quirk. If you can't stand the sound of your partner chewing, that's a quirk. I get super irritated with busy environments or competing sounds, that's a quirk. I also am very sensitive to movement. I can sense when an earthquake is about to happen, like in the first millisecond. That is a sensory quirk. So a child with a, with a clothing sensory quirk might dislike the feeling of jeans, but can tolerate wearing them for that white shirt and jeans family photo on the beach. You know the one I'm talking about. A child with sensory challenges would either not be able to put those jeans on without having a full-on meltdown, or perhaps tolerate wearing it for the photo, but they would have a lot of feelings about it and have a huge sensory meltdown later. So if and when those sensory quirks start impeding daily function in activities that are important and meaningful to that person, then it might be time to seek professional support or spend some time addressing that challenge. And another thing I'm going to put here, there are also examples of people 
with sensory quirks and clothing sensitivities that maybe it does impede their daily life a little bit, but there are still ways to get around it before you need to actually address it or intervene with. So here's an example. I'm just going to say it as direct as possible. It doesn't matter what you think your child's clothes look like. Doesn't matter. It's not up to you. If they're comfortable, if it's safe, if it's hygienic, then let them wear the Christmas sweater in July. Let them wear the green polka dot shirt with the purple dinosaur pajama pants to Target or to school even. If it doesn't exclude them from participating in things and doing things in the community and it's solely based on your preference of how your child looks or what you think the neighbor's going to think, then I don't have any other way to say it. It's time to get over that and let them be who they want to be. Also, if it's a simple fix, like if they're like if they think tags are made out of fire and like rusted nails, then cut the tags off. Cut the tags off. You don't need to spend your energy or time trying to get your child to tolerate the feel of tags. I know so many adults, even me included, who still cut tags off from time to time or even like never purchase clothes with tags on them. So now having said all of that, when do you need to intervene with your child's clothing sensitivities? When is it time? Here is when you know it's worth your energy and time to address your child's clothing challenges. If your child's inability to wear certain clothes excludes them from certain activities. For example, if your child can't wear the socks and shoes that are needed to play soccer or baseball that they really want to play or participate in, or if your child can't wear a leotard or a bathing suit that they need to do ballet or gymnastics or swim that they also really want to participate in, If your child's wardrobe is so limited that you have to do laundry daily or multiple times a week just to make sure that they have clean clothes. Those are examples of when it might be time to spend your energy thinking of ways to help your child feel more regulated in a variety of clothes. Also, if your child's limited wardrobe is a safety hazard due to specific weather patterns like wearing flip-flops in a snowstorm, or wearing too many layers for an outdoor summer camp in Arizona. That's also an example of when it might be time to help your child feel more regulated in a variety of clothing. But this is where it can really vary from child to child. There is no blanket answer of when a kid needs to um, try to learn to wear new clothes. Unlike eating, right? When you have a picky eater, we typically say if they have less than 20 foods, then they are considered a problem feeder and they might benefit from feeding therapy. It's not the same way for clothes because let's say you have a child who's homeschooled and you live in Hawaii. You could get away with wearing a bathing suit and sandals every single day and still be considered functional in that daily lifestyle. On the other side of it, a child who attends a private school that requires a uniform um, with a belt and with certain shoes, and with a collar, um, they might not be able to function in their daily life wearing a bathing suit and sandals only. Um, So that's that's something that you can weigh because what's functional for one family might not be functional for another. Here's a very specific one to know when it's time to address your child's clothing sensitivities. If you have a daughter approaching puberty and she won't wear underwear, 
when they start their period, they are going to need to be able to wear underwear because it's all fine if you have like a four-year-old who won't wear underwear and they can just wear pants or shorts without underwear. That's fine if you're fine with that. But if you have a daughter who is about to start her period, you are definitely going to need to get her used to wearing some form of underwear. I have had two clients specifically in this scenario where they were not able to tolerate wearing um, underwear and they were getting older. So we had to work on that. So if any of that sounds like your situation with your child, then keep listening to this episode. Before we talk about really how to help these, I want to really bring your attention to the underlying reason why these clothing sensitivities are more than just something that's irritating your child. And I want to bring to light some of the ways that this this is actually impacting their behavior and drawing that connection for you and connecting the dots for you. So when a child with sensory issues with clothing has to wear something that's uncomfortable for them, their nervous system, their brain is constantly on high alert. It's constantly receiving this noxious and aversive stimuli on their body that's telling their brain that they are in danger. So if you think about it, most other sensory triggers can be temporarily stopped or avoided if needed. Like if there's a sound, they can cover their ears, they can run away. If they if there's a messy touch, they can like wipe their hands. But a child can't take their clothes off in class. And they not only have to tolerate the feeling of this itchy fabric or seam that they find irritating on their skin, they're not, they don't only have to just tolerate it, but then they're also expected to follow instructions, participate in a lesson, have a conversation with kids, pay attention, and keep their emotional regulation in check in the classroom, all while having to, to navigate this stressful input to their body and their brain, which is perceiving a threat. And it takes so much cognitive energy for their brain to filter out the feeling of the clothes that's bothering them just enough to be able to pay attention to what two plus two is or to pay attention to what they're supposed to do for homework that day or to pay attention to what that friend is saying to them or to pay attention to the instructions of the game. And what you have left is a brain that is overworked and exhausted, which can contribute to sensory meltdowns and other behaviors, even if they don't pop up until later in the day and they've held it together all day, but once they get home, it all explodes. All right, so I'm going to give some tips on what you can do to help your child with with um, with clothing challenges. So as with most sensory behaviors, I always have some like in the moment hacks, tricks, accommodations to make the task, dressing, a little less stressful and hopefully more motivating for the child to cooperate with. Um, But I also tell parents and encourage parents that you do need to spend some time outside of the moment to play with your child, to help them get to a state of regulation with other clothes so that they can increase their wardrobe from a regulation perspective and not just by tricking them into wearing certain clothes for a short period of time. Um, And you do this by using a slow and steady, AKA the just right challenge approach. So first, again, let's talk about the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit, the things that you can do to 
I don't want to say trick, but to really, really motivate your child in a quick way um, or to make dressing the task of dressing and getting dressed in new clothes a little bit easier for them. So like I said about, like I said earlier, don't be afraid to accommodate them when you can. And that means accommodating them on the style. Um, if it doesn't look good to you, but it feels good to them, just let them wear it. Um, the other way to accommodate is again, cutting off tags. That's fine. But also doing a deep dive into sensory friendly clothing um, for whatever article of clothing you're looking at. I have put together a comprehensive list that you can download for free. It's it, There's a link in my show notes, but you can head to the otbutterfly.com slash sensory clothes for that download. And it has a list of pants, shirts, socks, shoes, um, pajamas. I think masks are on there of some tried and true sensory friendly clothes that are um, tested and used by a lot of parents of sensory sensitive kids. Um, so that's one route. I also highly recommend going to um, a like thrift store or a consignment store or a gently used clothing store where clothes are used or buying clothes off of Facebook marketplace um, because tip a lot of times the more like used clothes, the, the ones that are broken in have a softer feel uh, and also they are more friendly to your bank account so you don't have to keep buying brand new clothes that that your child will like pile up in the corner. So that's always a tip that I ask parents to try. Um, and then at the end of it all, again, I'm reminding you, pick your battles, decide what you're willing to live with and quote, let go of, and just focus on the ones left over that are truly, truly, truly impacting your child's daily participation. And even if they do go to a school with a uniform, remember, um, you might be able to ask for an accommodation. If you have an OT who can write you a note, if you have a pediatrician who's really on board, if you have a 504 plan in place, you can ask in that plan that they get accommodations to um, what your child is, to the uniform that is expected of your child to wear at school. So that's that's, um, my first tip. My next tip and area to focus on is you really do need to use the just right challenge, which is meeting your child where they're at with regard to clothing and practice as much as you can through play at neutral times. So that is the most important part, practicing at neutral times, aka not when you are five minutes late before you have to get out the door to go to school, not when you need to go leave the house anywhere for anything. On those days, get them dressed in the most comfortable thing that they can wear that is safe, that is hygienic, that um, that feels good to them that they can get out of the house on. But on non-stress days, like on the weekends or maybe even after school, if school is not a stressful day for you, then practice through play, starting off small. Like I'm going to give you a very quick example. Let's say like what I do with socks for my daughter when she could barely tolerate socks for 10 seconds. We would try socks on and even just trying them on would stress her out. So Her just right challenge at that moment was wearing socks for 10 seconds. So at neutral times, we would put socks on. And I say we, I actually put socks on too. And we would dance to, we would play like freeze dance. And I would put a song on and we would dance for 10 seconds. Then I would pause the song and we would take our socks off. And then we would put our songs back on and dance to another 10 seconds. Like that's all we did for that first day until it built up to like two or three minutes. Then we could dance to an entire song. And then when she built up that, then we moved from a few minutes in the room to going outside in the backyard, playing with socks and like jumping on chalk letters that I drew. 
So it's all through play. It's all at the level where she was at. And we worked our way up this just right challenge ladder, which I talk all about in my sensory wise solutions program. Um, it's currently closed for enrollment right now, but I have a just right challenge highlight on my Instagram account. And this is how I coached through coached my parents through all of their child's sensory sensitivities. It's the same theme that I talk about all the time. Your goal is to get your child more regulated in the presence of a sensory trigger. Um, and you don't want to force them through it. You want to do it slow and steady and in a playful way and at neutral times. If you are looking for more tips on clothing and you found this podcast helpful, I really think you might like my From Stress to Dressed program for parents. I hand created this, literally hand created. I used to hand write these home programs and steps and strategies and homework for my clients to do before the pandemic and then when the pandemic hit and I wasn't in the clinic and there were a lot of parents struggling at home, I digitized it and made it into this little ebook home guide that you can download and there's printables, there's step-by-step examples, it takes you everything, it tells you everything from from not wearing socks or any clothing for more than a couple seconds to getting them to wear it at school all day or whatever your main goal is. So I will put a link to that in the show notes. It's called From Stressed to Dressed, and you can grab that on my website. Again, I'll put the link of that in in, um, the show notes. Or if you want to consult with me one-on-one, and I can help you um, come up with a very specific tailored plan for your particular scenario, you can grab a one-on-one call with me at theotbutterfly.com slash parent consult. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Thanks for being here today. I will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find it.